Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. This episode is releasing in January of 2022. So for better or worse, here we go into a new year. And when you think about the upcoming year, are you going to have some problems that come up? Are you human? Of course, right? And are your neurodivergent children, teens, young adults, are they going to have problems that come up this year? Of course, some because they're neurodivergent and some because it's just part of the human experience. So for this episode, I want to offer you some perspectives on approaching problems, either for yourself or for your, for your kiddos when they're struggling, that will really help you to have a different experience with the problems that are, that are ahead of you this year hopefully a much better experience with those problems. Yeah, you can actually have a good experience with problems. So the first question to ask yourself is, how do you know when your kiddo is having a problem? Usually they're communicating that they're having one. And it usually comes through in one of two ways. One, through their words, right? They tell us, hey, I'm having a hard time or I have a problem. Can you help me? But for a lot of our neurodivergent kiddos, and really everybody too, our kids communicate that they're having a problem through their actions, through their behaviors. And so when you're seeing problematic behavior, right, like negative behaviors, or any behaviors for that matter, what is their behavior telling you? And this is so important, especially for autistic and neurodivergent young people, because they actually communicate a lot, a lot more through their behaviors. They may not have the words yet or the development or maturity to be able to communicate and say, I have a problem. But their behavior is just as valid, even maybe more valid of communication. Because I can say, yeah, I don't have a problem, but I'm really having a problem. So words can be misleading. So there's some common behaviors that you see from neurodivergent and autistic kiddos that are specific and common with their neurotype. And you want to get familiar with that. You want to get clear and understanding, educate yourself on those things and start paying attention for your individual kiddo. How do they communicate? Where they're at? What's going on for them? What kinds of behaviors keep popping up? Um, I'd even encourage you to actually write it down and take a look at it, like brainstorm it and, and write it down and, and not have it just be kind of floating around, but like get it on paper. A lot of old school and traditional parenting approaches and mindsets view negative behaviors as the problem. As the problem. If you have a neurodivergent kiddo, it's even more important that you consider dropping that view. I encourage you to consider that negative behaviors 
are simply indicators of what the real issue is. The real issue leads to the behavior that we see. I mean, truly, please stop viewing behaviors as something that needs to be punished or consequenced to get them to stop. I find it so helpful to look at behaviors like pain in the body, right? If there's a pain that pops up in your body, what's causing that pain? And then address that. If I have a pain in my right lower abdomen, which I did have a pain there when I was 13, and the doctor misdiagnosed me, and that pain was my my appendix, and it ruptured, and I was in the hospital for two weeks. I mean, if I had ignored that pain, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. That pain was information that something was wrong. The pain wasn't bad. Like, it wasn't fun. It wasn't comfortable. It was actually excruciating, and I was like sick and throwing up and all the things doubled over. But that pain was telling me, hey, my body's like, hey, something's wrong here. We got to look at this. That pain was actually really helpful. It was not the problem. The problem was my appendix was having issues and, and about to rupture, right? So what's causing this behavior and address it? Happy, confident, emotionally secure, emotionally regulated children, teens, and young adults aren't typically behaviorally acting out. Who does act out? Stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, emotionally dysregulated, shamed, embarrassed, lonely, bored, tired, hungry, etc. Right? You get the picture. Stressed and traumatized young people, and even we as parents and mentors for that matter, are more likely to behaviorally act out, or for many neurodivergent young people, behaviorally act in. And that looks like isolating or getting really depressed or other unhealthy things. But that behavior is a barometer of emotional states, and it's communicating important, valuable information to us as parents of where someone, where our kiddo is at or where we're at. So whether that's emotionally or intellectually or physically or, or developmentally or physiologically or chemically or like this is valuable information. Negative behaviors are not the problem. And what's fueling the behaviors is what you want to actually take a look at. For example, if your toilet is overflowing and I'm sorry for this example, but it just happened <laughs> this week. So fun. This is the one that comes to mind. But if your toilet is overflowing with the lovely yuckiness that toilets contain, what do you do? If I'm only concerned with the toilet's behavior, stay with me on this, pouring poopy, you know, this toilet pouring poopy water onto my floor, and it shouldn't be pouring poopy water onto the floor and I just focus on dealing with that behavior, so I'm just like putting towels on, on the poopy water and trying to clean it up, I guarantee you there's not, you know, if you're doing this, there's not enough towels in your house to take care of that problem. 
oh, well, that towel didn't clean up all the poopy water flowing out. Maybe another one will. Maybe if I put more towels on, I put the towels down harder and stronger and faster. <laughs> There's not enough towels. It's not going to do it, right? If I don't take care of the issue and figure out what's causing the toilet to behave this way, what's causing the toilet to overflow, I'm going to be in real trouble. Right? I actually have to lift up the lid and figure out, is something broken? Do I need to lift up on the, I don't even know what the technical terms are called, but like the, the I don't know what it's called, but you lift up and it, anyway, if, if it's not plugging properly, if something's, if the chain is messed up or maybe there's a crack or, I mean, there could be so many different causes, right, of why a toilet would overflow. If I don't get down to figuring out what that is, I'm just going to keep having gross water all over my floor. And I just have to laugh too. This is unrelated, but at Techie for Life, our our school mentoring program for neurodivergent young adults, we have all the rooms are named after like neurodivergent inventors. Um, and uh, yes, we had to name the bathroom too after John Crapper, the one that invented the flushing mechanism. He may be my most favorite inventor. I, I may appreciate his invention the absolute most. But yeah, we, we have a, a room called the crapper. Um, but anyway, so when we look at problems, there's two ways to generally view a problem. And the one that our brains tends, they tend to go to first is to see a problem and view it as a threat. Okay, our, our brain's number one primary job is to keep us alive, keep us out of danger keep us from dying. And so one of the first tendencies of the brain, especially um, an immature or unmanaged brain, is to see every problem as a threat. And by threat, it means it looks like, oh no, danger, we're all going to die. Like the lower brain limbic system kicks in and it's leading the show, right? It like goes into high gear, maybe adrenaline coursing through you. Okay, and this is not the logical part of our brain. This is that fight, flight, freeze, like, yikes response that, that our brain has. It's important. It's there for a reason. But most of the time, that's really not helpful, right? And that's not the part of the brain that you want leading out for most of the problems that we, that we each um, deal with and face. So the second way that you can view a problem is to see it as a challenge. This isn't a threat. No one's going to die here. The toilet overflowing, as yucky and gross as it is, <laughs> is not a threat. It is a challenge to overcome and figure out, right? So that looks like, hey, let's figure this out. Uh-oh, there's a problem. Let's figure this out. We have a challenge to overcome. It's looking for solutions. And the beautiful thing about recognizing when it's a threat versus a challenge, right? Like seeing that this is a challenge is then you start to engage your higher brain, higher thinking part of your brain, right? That part that can problem solve and be logical and draw on experience and figure it out. The part of our brain that, that animals and insects and like, they don't have this like complex, amazing, like they don't have those parts of the brain that, that we as humans have that problem solving part. And so we want that part engaged. And when you start to realize, oh wait, this is just a challenge. There's no threat here. We're not gonna die. This is a challenge. We can figure this out. Like now your brain's 
goes to work for you and starts leading out with, okay, what do we do? What's most important? Let's check this first. Let's look at that. Okay. So I do encourage you to ask, is this a real threat? Because for most actual threats, and really, like, let me rephrase that. Is this a real threat? You're going to ask that question. And then even if it is a threat, you want to recognize that for most threats, that lower brain limbic fight, flight, freeze response is actually not all that helpful. Like going into panic is actually not super helpful. Right? Like actually staying calm and not panicking and logically attacking the challenge um, is actually st still most of the time your best bet. But this question asking, is this a real threat? It can actually really help you take a step back, take a breather for a second and like pause and assess. So challenges are not a problem. They're actually part of being a human. And overcoming challenges are where growth and development happen. And effective parenting is about supporting your kiddos growth and development. So if we as parents jump in and solve every challenge for our kiddos, we get the benefit of maybe some growth and development. And we're taking that opportunity for growth and development away from our kiddo. So I encourage you to consider allowing and encouraging your child, your teen, your young adult to figure out their own solutions as much as possible. Support their process even if it looks messy and not the way you would go about doing it. Like you would probably have a smoother, easier, simpler process to figure out that problem. But you didn't get there. You didn't start out that way. You had to develop and grow and practice to get there. And your kiddo does too. And your neurodivergent kiddo really needs to, right? Like they're, they're going to need to figure out the process of overcoming challenges. We're not doing them any favors if we jump in and rescue and because we want them to not have to ever suffer. We're not doing them any favors. They'll never be able to have the resilience to handle what comes ahead if, if we go in and just fix everything for them. And that's not to say to just leave them hanging. That's not what I'm saying. But our job is not to go in and fix every problem. Our job is to support their development. And some problems or challenges have no solution. There are just some problems that are just unsolvable. And the most supportive thing you can do is just to be with your kiddo and comfort them through the challenge. But your ability to offer a calm presence and compassion may be one of the most valuable things that you can give your kiddo. Because then your kiddo will experience your example. And they'll see your calmness and they'll realize, oh, wait, this isn't a threat. And then guess what happens? Their higher brain gets engaged instead of the panic state. Now, if you're in the habit of taking on your kiddo's stress and worrying about them or getting stressed about their stress or anxious and worried about all the possible stresses or problems that could happen, but haven't yet happened, but could happen. Because that's what parents do. We worry about our kids in every possible. Okay. Please hear me. That is not helpful. You aren't parenting when you're doing that. You're childing. 
your kids look to you for guidance and confidence. They look to you for belief in them, that, that you believe that they can overcome challenges and problems, that they are capable. Problems and challenges are opportunities for growth. And if we play it right, can be amazing opportunities for connection with our kiddos as they are in that process. If you're stressed, you're worried, you're anxious, they will likely want to distance themselves from you because you're adding fuel to the fire. You're making it even worse, right? You're so stressed that they then they're worrying about you and what you think and, and what you're going to do. The more that you can emotionally regulate yourself, the more you can stay calm the more likely they will want to actually lean towards you and go to you for support and direction. Does your kid think, oh, I've got this problem, but if I go tell mom, she's going to freak out, so then they don't tell you? Or does your kid say, oh my gosh, I have a problem. Oh, I got to go talk to mom. She'll be there for me. She'll be able to help me. I trust her to help me. She's not going to freak out, right? Like, do you, do you see the difference in that and how it feels? If this is a challenge for you, if you're the freak out parent, right? And your brain is like, threat, threat, threat. I'm surrounded by threats. I want you to know that you don't have to keep struggling with this. You don't have to keep being on high alert for threats. You don't have to do it alone. You know where to find me. I am an expert at helping parents overcome challenges and truly love parenting and loving Loving the whole process of it, the challenges, the ups, the downs, the all of it. And I hope you'll start to see problems for what they really are, not threats, but actually just challenges and engage that part of your brain because you are capable of figuring it out, working through it, being with it, even if it's hard. I hope you have an amazing week. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com. com.